0: Stars will continue after a
1: short pause for station identification. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company.
2: WNBC, New York.
3: Pioneer station of the National Broadcasting Company.
4: It's 4 p.m. Eastern Time on November 25th, 1948. Elgin Watch's annual Thanksgiving Day Special is on the air from NBC's KFI in Hollywood. Don Amici is the MC. Ken Carpenter is announcing. This November, radio ratings are robust. Eleven shows have ratings higher than 20 points, and Lux Radio Theater's 33.2 is the most-listened-to show on the air. But a major shift is about to happen just as the TV era launches.
0: The Elgin Watch Company's seventh annual two-hour Thanksgiving Day greeting to America, our hospitalized veterans and servicemen overseas and neighbors around the world continues with Don Amici, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, Vera Vague, Red Skelton, Francis Langford, the Bickersons, the Mills Brothers, Andre Previn, Mario Lanza and the Elgin Orchestra and Chorus under the direction of Robert Ambruster. And here again is your host for these two hours of stars, Don Amici.
3: Once again, may I say to those of you who have just joined us, Happy Thanksgiving and welcome to Two Hours of Stars. This is the seventh straight year the Elgin Watch Company and the Elgin Jewelers have invited your favorite stars to join us in our holiday open house. And each year it has been our custom to invite several young newcomers, stars of tomorrow who we believe are worthy of inclusion on our guest list. Just such a newcomer is that tall, tan, good-looking young fellow who has been attracting attention is the saner half of a nightclub combination known as Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Elgin presents, Dean Martin.
5: Everyone knows she's a rambling rose, she's a beauty growing wild.
6: I have to say this about Dean, and I've said it all of my life. He had a brain like a univac. He would soak up what you're telling him and he was incapable of forgetting it. I said to him, If you just sing, gee, what I'd love to see that old gang of mine, my old gang of mine, I'll put on a busboy's jacket, I'll come out with my hair. My hair was like up to here. I looked like Ann Miller. I had such a head of hair.
5: Anyone knows you can't a to be a clinging vine. So I've got
6: this hair, right? and I put it in my face and part it with grease, and I've got the napkin, and Dean is singing that old gang of mine, and I'm doing, goodbye forever, and I start to cry. That turned into a marvelous bit.
5: She's got the kind of affection that just But
6: Dean was impeccable. His natural sense of time was like nothing I'd ever seen in my life. He almost knew where I was going when I started. He almost knew when to pull back and when to go get me. In that first night, I was feeling it. Anyone knows
5: you can't train a rose to be a clinging vine. So from this day hence, to be a picket fence round a rambling rose of mine.
3: And I can tell by Miss Vera Vague's expression that she agrees with me. What do you think of it, Miss Vague? Oh,
7: wonderful. Just wonderful. Oh, I have plenty to be thankful for this Thanksgiving day.
5: You really like my singing, Miss Vague?
7: Oh, you mean you sing too? Oh, Oh, yes, of course. In fact, I was surprised how much you sounded like Bing Crosby.
3: Well, Bing's always happy to give a boy a start.
7: Yes, he must be. He started four of them. (laughs) You know, Miss... Mr. Martin, after looking at you closely I'd say you were definitely a cross between Cary Grant
5: Cary Grant and who else?
7: Well, who cares? Don't be a pig <laughs> uh,
5: You're quite a study, Miss Vague
7: Oh, yes, and I'd be glad to help you with your homework any time <laughs> You know, Mr. Martin, I can assist you up the road to fame and fortune
5: Thanks, Miss Vague, but the Jerry Lewis is my partner He's got to go up that road, too
7: well, if he looks anything like you, I'd be glad to carry him piggyback
5: Well, here he is, Miss Vague, Jerry Lewis
7: Oh, Dean, what's going on here? I've never seen oh, so Mr. many... Oh, Mr. Lewis, Mr. Lewis, I've heard so much about you, I feel I've already met you uh, Well, don't just stand there looking at me, say something Are you for real? <laughs>
3: Jerry may seem a little strange at first, Miss Vague, but he's really very clever. He and Dean were on Bob Hope's program Tuesday night, and Hal Wallace is starring them in the picture of my friend, Irma.
8: Yes, I'm really lovely. You know, of course, they want me back at Slapsy Maxie.
7: If you ask me, Maxie slapped you once too often.
8: Oh, is that so? Well, I think it's only fair that you should give credit where credit is due, Miss Vague. It so happens I taught Dean Martin everything he knows.
3: What did you teach him, Jerry.
8: I got him a rat trap and taught him to catch rats the same way I do. I got a big yellow rat about 104 feet right. and a little pink eye he's got, and with a right. hand that hangs over the ear the All most beautiful thing. Hold there,
5: <laughs> Jerry, you keep that up and I'll have to cut off your pabulum.
8: Oh, no, no, Dean. You couldn't do that. Anything but that. Anything.
7: You hear?
5: Sure I'm here. How
7: do you like it here? <laughs> God, Mr. Lewis, you'd make a perfect mate for an idiot. Thank you, but you'll have to ask my father. <laughs> I can't understand where you ever got such a partner, Mr. Martin. After all, you have carried Grant's je ne sais quoi. You have big cross de joie de vivre. Well, give him back to them. Do you want the cops after us? <laughs> you need someone with intelligence as a partner, Mr. Martin. I do? Yes, you do, and I... Well, I've taken part in so many discussion groups, uh... I can discuss everything. Yeah, well, I can be just as disgusting as you can. <laughs> I don't mind telling you, young man, when men look at me, they think of Rita Hayworth.
5: When men look at you, they think of Rita Hayworth? Yes.
7: Can you blame them? <laughs> now, look. Look,
8: Jerky. That's Jerry. Uh, jerky. See? It's uh, written right here. J-E-R-K-Y.
7: <laughs> Jerry. Jerry. <laughs> Mr. Martin Mr. Martin, come here Just look at all the famous partnerships of history There was always a woman There was Anthony and Cleopatra Romeo and Juliet
9: Martin and Lewis
7: Yes, but you're a boy I am? How do you like that? My parents
8: never told me nothing Well Whatever I may be, Miss Vague I want you to know You'll never be able to break us up Dean and I will always stick together
7: like glue Well, what makes you so sure? I'll use glue (laughs) I wouldn't help you in any shape or form. With
8: that shape and form, you need more help than we do. Are you for real?
7: I I'd tell you to go soak your head if I had a pointed bucket handy.
5: Now, see what you did, Jerry? Miss Vague left covered with confusion.
8: So what? She looks better with a cover. You you told me she was a slick chick. She's no slick chick. What is she? She's a plump (laughs) rump. Look at the way she talked to me. Stop. Do you think I'm an imbecile?
5: So you're beginning to wonder, too, huh? (laughs) Jerry, don't you realize the only way you can make an impression on people is by being debonair, sophisticated and suave?
8: I don't want to be a debonair, sophisticated slob.
5: (laughs) Jarrett, the trouble with you is you're too sure of yourself. You're conceited.
8: Dean, you know that is not true. I used to be conceited, but I went to a psychiatrist and got myself cured. And now I'm one of the nicest guys I (laughs) know.
5: You, um, you went to a psychiatrist?
8: Yes. He said I was the mousy type So I showed him my rat He got down on the floor at me And saw the little blue one That had the ear that hung right. over the eye He had a busted claw right. I need to see the way he went
10: right. The room and...
5: Gary, <laughs> if you expect to be my partner You've got to change entirely Bye Bye? Where are you going?
8: Up to the hotel I changed entirely <laughs> I've tried to be worthy of you, Dean I went to the May Company and tried to get a job in the long underwear department, but all the man would say was, sorry, no opening for you.
5: I can't understand that, Jerry. I really think you've always been the epitome of perspicacity.
8: Oh, there you go, insulting me again. Well, all I can tell you is that I'm sick of it, do you hear? Sick, sick, (laughs) sick. Oh, you can laugh if you want to. Naturally, you think it's very puny. Funny. <laughs> but it isn't. You see, you don't know the circumstances. It just so happens that I haven't been too well. <laughs>
5: oh, uh, what's the matter with you? you? You got a cold?
8: Yes, you know how most show people are born in trunks. Yeah. I didn't have anything on at all. <laughs> myself when I object to your insults, Dean I'm thinking of my sister You don't know how my sister suffers
5: If I were your brother I wouldn't feel so good either You know, I haven't been trying to insult you, Jerry I'm your friend, we've been pals together Standing side by side Hand in hand You're right, Dean (laughs) When we walk hand in hand The world becomes a wonderland,
8: it's magic You sigh, the song begins, you speak And I hear violins, it's magic How else can I explain those rainbows When there is no rain, it's magic
5: No, uh, I'm serious, Jerry You remember the time you got locked in our closet And you couldn't get out? Yeah Who fed the goldfish for three weeks?
8: You did, my friend
5: And when you disappeared and nobody heard from you Nobody knew where you were And nobody had the slightest idea where to locate you Who finally found you?
8: My draft board. <laughs> if you really like me, Dean, you'll try and help me. You'll soothe me, and you'll hold my head.
5: Why, Jerry, of course I'll hold your head.
8: Thank you. I'll pick it up in the morning.
5: <laughs> Jerry, you've got to get a grip on yourself. We're making a picture together. We're making records. Remember the record we made for Capital?
8: No, but I remember the record I made catching rats. hundred and ninety-one at one time. This big black one crawled across my path and I got him, see? And I grabbed a swan well, of and I said, come to me, my little, my little...
11: Instead of a big, ugly glass picture tube, you saw the performers in your own mind. You painted your own big-as-life version of each moment with that loving, creative brush we call Imagination.
4: In 1948, comedian Jack Benny organized his activities into a corporation. At the time, American individuals were taxed 77% on all income over $70,000. Benny's hope was to secure a deal with NBC for his company so that he could be taxed under capital gains laws at 25%. NBC's parent company was the Radio Corporation of America. Their head, David Sarnoff, refused. Amos and Andy were the first to secure such a deal. They jumped to CBS in October of 1948. Then, Lou Wasserman and Taft Schrieber, president and VP of the Music Corporation of America, called head of CBS William Paley to see if he was interested in a similar deal for Jack Benny. In November, David Sarnoff got word and sent NBC president Niles Trammell to California with orders to keep Benny at NBC. But Sarnoff refused to be there. In fact, he'd never even met Benny. William Paley flew to LA to meet Benny in person, agreeing for CBS to buy his corporation for $2.26 million. NBC responded by doubling their offer. However, Lou Asserman again intervened, obtained the NBC contract, changed every mention of NBC to CBS, and re-offered the deal to Benny, who then signed it. Although Benny was signed, Paley next had to convince Benny's sponsor, American Tobacco, to make the move. He did so by guaranteeing that CBS would pay the cigarette giant $3,000 per week for every ratings point lost after the migration. Floored that Paley would offer this, all parties agreed immediately. On Thanksgiving in 1948, William Paley had plenty to be thankful for. While Jack Benny was appearing on NBC for this Elgin special, CBS announced on their evening news that the Jack Benny program would be jumping to CBS. When asked that evening by the United Press, Benny declined to comment.
12: For 10 years,
4: nothing ever happened. It touched off a firestorm between the two networks. NBC claimed any such deal was unlawful. David Sarnoff said, "Leadership built on a foundation of solid service can't be snatched overnight by a few high-priced comedians. Leadership is no laughing matter." It was the biggest mistake of Sarnoff's career. Jack Benny left NBC at the end of the year. Edgar Bergen, too. There was suddenly a glaring hole in NBC's Sunday night lineup. Between Benny and Bergen, NBC would need to replace roughly 45 million listeners come January. In 1949, Burns and Allen and Bing Crosby followed to CBS. NBC's desperation created major opportunities. Among those to benefit were a comedic duo who'd been selling out nightclubs all over the country. Their names were Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis.
10: The Sweet Sweet me. You can't beat
4: the memories you gave of me Take oh, sweet, sweet. one oh, fresh and tender kid Welcome to Breaking Walls, episode 139. My name is James Scully. Tonight on Breaking Walls, we spotlight the Martin and Lewis show and pay close attention to Frank Sinatra and Marilyn Monroe. If this is your first time listening to Breaking Walls, welcome to the show. You can find this series on every podcasting platform, and at thewallbreakers.com. Tonight's opening song is Dean Martin's first number one single. Memories are made of this, released in 1955 for Capitol Records. It's a perfect theme for two men who live their lives to the fullest.
2: Memories are made of this.
4: Join the Breaking Walls Facebook group to keep in touch with news, snippets, photos, and other additions to the podcast at facebook.com slash groups slash the wallbreakers. And the first eight chapters of Burning Gotham are out everywhere you can get a podcast and at burninggotham.com. It was a 2022 official Tribeca Film Festival audio selection. You can also support these shows for as little as $1 per month at patreon.com slash the wallbreakers.
2: From the Say us. Now what? I forgot to tell you. Uh, there was quite a bit of excitement today. An airplane flew over Hollywood and started skywriting.
12: Skywriting? What did it say?
2: Next week, Jack Benny's
10: program moves, to.
12: Moves to where? Moves to where?
2: I don't know. NBC's
9: anti-aircraft shot him down.
10: <laughs>
9: well, well, we'll find
12: out later. Goodbye, Rochester. Goodbye. Goodbye. Ladies and gentlemen, next week we'll be with you again at the same time with the same cast on another network. However, I want to take this opportunity of thanking everyone connected with NBC for a very pleasant association. And I also want to wish everybody a very happy New Year. <laughs>
11: Good night, everybody.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, listening again next Sunday to the be Jack Program.
11: So I moved and I didn't want to leave NBC. I loved NBC, but I had to make some kind of a deal where I could make some money because here I was getting a terrific salary and was all salary. And I couldn't make a deal for a company. Well, I wouldn't care if I got a million dollars a week. That wouldn't do me any good. What good would that be? With the income be tax, I'm right? sure. Right. So the ones that made me the deal and came right through with it quick, was CBS. Then, of course, when NBC realized I was going to go, then they were hmm. willing to make the deal, but I didn't want to play one against the other, so I merely took CBS.
5: Well, CBS had uh, generally rated NBC at that time, didn't they,
4: with these uh, production No, NBC,
11: deals? NBC was, yeah, once I got on, but NBC was really the first network. And then when I moved over, a lot of shows moved over. Mm-hmm. So that made really CBS come up on top. Yeah, really I made the million CBS by that move, which I didn't know or didn't think, you know.
4: Network Radio opened 1949, fresh off its 14th consecutive year of record earnings. Total network revenue exceeded 210 million dollars, and total national radio revenue was more than 560 million. Adjusted for inflation, that's more than seven billion dollars today. It was this record revenue that launched the TV era. There were now nearly one million TV homes, up almost 450% from 1947. 33 new TV stations took to the air in 1948. Another 49 would launch in 1949. At 7.05 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday, January 2nd, Jack Benny took to the air with his usual program, except that he was now airing over CBS instead of NBC. (laughs)
2: Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, today marks Jack Benny's first program on the Columbia Broadcasting System. So let's go back a couple of hours and pick up Jack and Mary on their way to the studio. Rochester is driving.
12: (laughs) Not so fast, Rochester. Don't cross the double line. Look out for that car. What's the matter with you?
2: I'm driving
12: as carefully as I can, boss. Well, just watch it, that's all.
8: Oh, for heaven's sake, Jack, calm down. Don't be so nervous.
12: I'm not nervous.
8: Then stop pacing up and down on the running board.
12: (laughs) Okay, Mary, I'll admit it. I am nervous, and you can't blame me today's my opening broadcast on CBS
10: all right
8: so you're opening on CBS
12: what do you mean all right do you realize it's the first time my program will be heard in Alaska
8: well, so what I've yet to see a walrus smoking a lucky strike
10: <laughs>
12: oh yeah I saw one last night
8: <laughs> that was Jerry Colonna
12: <laughs> And I'll have to apologize I threw him a fish <laughs> Anyway, Mary, this is no time for joking. I'm upset.
8: Oh, for heaven's sake, Jack, why should you be worried? You must have a million dollars down in your vault.
12: I know, but I don't want to break up the serial number. <laughs> I mean, Mary, stop asking me questions, will you? <laughs> I'm in a... Rochester. I don't want to have an accident on the way to the studio. Now, slow down.
9: I'm only going 12 miles an hour. <laughs>
12: Don't give me that. What does it say on this pedometer?
9: Made in 1899!
4: <laughs> when William Paley told sponsor American Tobacco he'd pay $3,000 per week for every ratings point lost after the migration, it signaled that Paley was intent on not just equaling Benny's audience on NBC, but growing it. In December of 1948, Benny's last month on NBC, his program rating was 25.8. His first episode rating for CBS... 28.3. It was the most listened-to program in the U.S. and left NBC wondering what to do next.
1: The NBC Theater presents Screen Directors Guild Assignment,
2: production, Stagecoach, director John Ford, stars John Wayne, Claire Trevor, Ward Bond.
1: This is the Screen Directors Guild production of the United Artists motion picture classic, Stagecoach, starring John Wayne, Claire Trevor, and Ward Bond, and introducing the director of the film, John Ford.
4: That Sunday evening at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, NBC gave its first answer to what audiences could expect. The NBC Theater debuted live, coast to coast from Los Angeles, with an adaptation of Stagecoach, it starred John Wayne, Claire Trevor, and Ward Before Bond. We begin our story, it was directed by the legendary George Marshall.
1: Entertainment You will hear tonight and in future weeks at this time. The NBC Theater is proud to welcome the president of the Screen Directors Guild and the eminent director of such films as Variety Girl, The Perils of Pauline and Tap Roots, Mr. George Marshall.
5: Thank you and good evening.
0: This is the first performance of a series of Screen Directors Guild productions (coughs) in which the directors will personally bring you their favorite film assignments, along with the stars who created the original roles. Tonight, your director is John Ford. John, if you remember, is the winner of five Academy Awards, the guiding hand behind such great pictures as The Informer, (coughs) How Green Was My Valley, and of course, Stagecoach. You're on the set, John.
9: Thank you, and good luck on our first production. Stagecoach is ready to roll. The last time I made that crack was about ten years ago. <laughs> I first had the opportunity of putting on film this romance of the West. For the cast, the picture offers an array of colorful character types, ripe for the actors' talents. Now the story and the cast are united again. Here is Stagecoach with John Wayne as the Ringo Kid. Claire Trevor as Dallas and Ward Bond as Doc Boone. Oh, carry me back to the prairie,
10: where the and the free. In 1885,
9: the stagecoach was the only means of travel on the American frontier. And in those days, no name struck more dread into the hearts of travelers than Geronimo, leader of the warlike Apaches. This, folks, is a story of a party of people who traveled from Tonto to Lordsburg by stagecoach in 1885. It's a story still told by the Indians.
4: Stagecoach was filmed in 1939 and noted for being John Wayne's breakout performance as the Ringo Kid. The screenplay by Dudley Nichols was an adaptation of The Stage to Lordsburg, a 1937 short story by Ernest Haycox. The film follows a group of strangers riding in 1880 through the dangerous Apache territory. Among them are Dallas, a prostitute, the alcoholic Doc Boone, pregnant Lucy Mallory, and whiskey salesman Samuel Peacock. The Ringo kid has broken out of prison after hearing that his father and brother have been murdered by Luke Plummer. Buck tells Curly that Ringo is heading for Lordsburg and, knowing that Ringo has vowed vengeance, Curly decides to ride alongside his guard. Ringo and Dallas soon fall in love.
9: Well, that's how it is, folks. Geronimo's Apaches are on the warpath up ahead, burning every ranch sight. Mm. Oh. Then
1: the question before the party assembled in this stagecoach is, shall we continue?
9: I say yes. Continue.
1: But Mrs. Mallory, should you be traveling in your condition?
13: My husband is in Apache Wells with his troops. I want to be with him when our baby arrives.
1: Madam, I am a gambler, and I admire and respect a bold gamble. But aren't you gambling with a life besides your own?
9: Oh, I forgot to tell you, Mr. Hatfield. We're getting a cavalry escort for a patch of whales. That settles it. I'm going on.
1: Count me in, of course, Buck.
9: All right. I'll go find my shotgun guard. You don't have to go no further, Buck. What? Well, Curly! Well, <laughs> doggone! how are you, Sheriff?
2: Fine, thanks. And I'll be riding shotgun up next to you this trip, Buck. You? What for? The Ringo kid escaped from prison. I'm looking for him.
9: The fellow who shot Jed Michael dead?
2: I hear he's heading for Lordsburg to shoot it out with the three plumber boys. So I'll be right up there next to you, Buck, all the way to Lordsburg.
10: There she comes,
2: top of the hill. There comes the stagecoach. Better stand back a bit, Doc. Yeah. Stand stand out of the road there, Dallas girl. Thanks, Doc. Hail the stage brush chariot.
13: Doc, Doc, why do I have to leave town? Because because all these women here say I have to? I don't want to go to Lordsburg.
2: No more do I, Dallas. But you are a lady somewhat too hospitable to gentlemen. And I am a doctor somewhat too hospitable to spirits. We, girl, are the dregs of Tonto. They send us from their midst. Come, Dallas, be a glorified dreg like me. Ho, ho, back you have acquired two more
10: eager passengers.
2: The engines are rising, duck. I thank them for that mark of respect. <laughs> Tell them they may be seated now. Enter Dallas.
13: Thanks, tough.
2: Take your place beside the other lady. Then forward on to Lordsburg. <laughs> Watch you driving through this canyon, Buck.
9: Well, I'm to be hard to shoot at in case Geronimo's Apaches are in these hills. I'm with you, Buck. The law. Well, that don't make me bulletproof. Go, <coughs> oh, Kingdom High. Here she comes, Apaches.
2: Keep your shirt on and stop the coach. It ain't Apaches. Someone up ahead blocking the road with a rifle. Oh, ho,
9: ho.
6: Here
0: he comes, whoever he is.
9: What? It's the Ringo Kid.
0: That's right, Buck. Hiya, Curly. Ringo. Didn't expect to find the sheriff riding shotgun. I was heading for Lordsburg, same as you, Ringo. Well, my horse went lame, so you got another passenger. I'll take that rifle first, Ringo. That's so, Sheriff. You're under arrest for the murder of Jed Michael. Sorry, Curly, but this Winchester here says different. Sorry,
2: Ringo. And if you look back up the road a piece, you'll see our escort of United States Cavalry coming up. Oh. I'll take that rifle now, Ringo.
0: Sure, Sheriff. But you better hold on to it. You may need it before we get to Lordsburg. Thanks. You can get into the coach now. Much obliged, Sheriff.
2: Get going, Buck. Yep.
9: Shoot it.
2: Yep. Get it.
1: You're the famous Ringo Kid, huh? My
0: friends call me Ringo. Right name's Henry. Hmm, Henry? Why,
2: well, I remember you. Say, I fixed your arm when you was just a little sprout. He's was no higher than a quart of bourbon.
0: Well, that was my kid brother broke his arm. You did a good job, too, Doc, even if you was drunk.
2: Well, thank you, son. How's your brother now?
0: He was murdered. Oh, no. Him and my dad. By the three plumber boys.
2: Well, good luck when you get to Lordsburg,
13: son.
0: Thanks, Doc.
13: Mrs. Mallory, you're tired. Would you like to rest your head on my shoulder? No, thank you. Mr. Hatfield, would you mind if I sat over on your side of the coach?
1: Not at all, ma'am.
13: Excuse me. Yes, of course.
1: Right here, Mrs. Mallory.
13: Thank you, Mr. Hatfield.
0: Hmm. I must have the plague, huh, Dallas?
2: You. Oh, no, it's not you. Have a drink, Hotfield? No, thank you. No, thank you, he says. (laughs) Have a drink, Doc? Yes, thank you.
0: You're not going to move away from me, are you?
2: No, Ringo.
0: Well, I guess I can't expect to break out of prison and into society in the same week. Shh,
13: she'll hear you
0: guess I'm pretty dumb for sitting down beside a lady like you, Dallas. A lady? Thanks for not moving. Oh,
13: don't, don't, please. Why are you looking at me like that?
0: Ain't I seen you someplace before? No.
4: NBC theater creator Don W. Sharp believed writing was the most important factor in a radio show. Claire Trevor was both a film and radio veteran. She carries this opening broadcast the sound effects were excellent. And Henry Russell's orchestral arrangement was lush.
0: I can't. Not ammunition. Oh, no.
13: Why have Buck and Curly stopped firing outside? Buck's hit.
0: Curly's empty, too. This looks like it.
13: No, no. I have only three bullets left.
0: That's enough. The Indians won't get you or Mrs. Mallory or the baby.
13: No. No, they won't. Listen!
10: Get out! No, listen! It's a building!
0: Cavalry from Lordsburg.
2: The Apaches
10: are breaking. They're running away. Glory, glory.
0: How's
2: that feel? Death. Glory.
13: Well, good night, Ringo.
0: This? Is is this where you live in Lordsburg?
13: I told you. I warned you. I told you you didn't know me. This part of town is no place for a nice girl, but but it's all right for me. Now say goodbye, Ringo. Say goodbye.
0: I asked you to marry me, didn't I? I'll
13: never forget you asked me.
0: Now go on back and wait for me in the stagecoach.
13: Where are you going?
0: business with the plumber boys. I'll just take a slow walk down Main Street and see what happens.
13: Dear Lord, this stagecoach don't pass much for a church, but but I'm praying till you hear. Please, Lord, It's three to one against Ringo out there, and the plumber boys are dead shots. Awful dead shots, Lord. Like I was saying, Lord, it's two to one, Lord. He's all I got, and all I ever want. So please, dear Lord, please let me have him back.
10: Please, please, please. Oh, carry me
13: by to the Who who's that out there?
10: Ringo. Yeah. You heard?
0: No.
13: I prayed for you. I prayed.
0: You did good.
13: Let's get out of here then. Escape.
0: Don't have to anymore. Before he cased in, Luke Plummer confessed he killed Jed Michael. You.
13: You're free? Yeah. And they didn't even hurt you. Dead shots like the Plummer Boys?
0: Deadest dead shots you ever saw.
10: Oh, oh Ringo! Ringo! Dallas, well,
0: what are you crying for? <laughs> Nothing's happened.
2: Thus the story of those brave men, riders of the flying wagon, in the land of Arizona, where Geronimo was chief. In the great land in the desert where the flying wagon galloped, that the white men called the stagecoach, bringing brave men to the West.
1: Our stars will return in just a moment. The NBC Theater has presented the Screen Directors Guild production of Stagecoach, starring John Wayne, Claire Trevor, and Ward Bond, and introduced by John Ford. In the weeks to come, the Screen Directors Guild
4: will bring you Douglas Fairbanks... The program was meant to rival CBS's Lux Radio Theater. There was just one major issue. By 1949, the air was full of similar-sounding film adaptation shows, and none rivaled Lux.
1: Let's live a little, starring Robert Cummings.
4: Meanwhile, on ABC, game show Stop the Music's popularity was soaring. NBC moved Fred Allen up half an hour to 8 p.m. and shifted the NBC Theater to 9 to avoid the game show. Allen lost nearly half his audience in a single month. By March, Stop the Music's rating would reach 17.6,
0: while Allens fell to
4: 9.4, and Sam Spades fell to 11.3 on CBS.
9: Well, how do you, hardy frontiersmen, like pioneering in an NBC studio <laughs> instead of the Badlands of Arizona? <laughs> Very much.
13: You know, just the memory of that dust is enough to send me running home to wash my hair.
9: Abby, this
0: is wonderful. Wayne, wonderful. What do you mean? Well, no, getting up early in the morning and arguing with a horse. <laughs>
13: <laughs> you know, I think it's wonderful that the screen director is being honored like this. He's the fellow who really makes the movie. Flea. As for us actors and actresses, well, well.
0: Where'd we be without you, Pappy? And others like you. That's right. You tell us our business. That's all
2: I can say. Thanks. They're talking about wonderful things. It's a wonder that Pappy here hasn't
9: yet displayed his fine tyrannical <laughs> hand. How do you do? That's so war. John, now look. As long as we're speaking about fine, tyrannical hands, look. Are we going to do this again? Because if so, Uh-oh. I'd like to take you first. Uh-oh. Yeah, I
0: thought so. You'd have something to say about it. We had that same trouble ten years ago.
9: That's right. Hey, can not go on
0: re-
13: Now, look, John, don't you remember? This is radio. There are no retakes. Good night, everybody.
1: Our thanks to our stars, John Wayne, Claire Trevor, and Ward Bond and to screen directors, George Marshall and John Ford. Also heard were Barbara Fuller, Peter Leeds, Horace Murphy, Norman Field, Dan Riss, Ken Carson, and Eddie Fields. Tonight's story was adapted by Milton Geiger, and original music was composed and conducted by Henry Russell. Production was under the supervision of Howard Wiley. Your announcer, Frank Barton. John Wayne can soon be seen in John Ford's Argosy production, Three Godfathers and Claire Trevor appears in the soon-to-be-released Amusement Enterprises picture, The Lucky Stiff. Ward Bond is currently appearing in the Victor Fleming production, Joan of Arc. Listen again next week when the NBC Theater presents... Screen Directors Guild Assignment. Production, Let's Live a Little. Director, Richard Wallace. Star, Robert
4: Cummings. By the time the NBC theater found sponsorship and debuted in the ratings in the fall of 1949, it mustered only a 4.5. Overnight, NBC's Sunday night rating Stronghold was over.
2: Don't miss an hour now of America's favorite music, old tunes and new hits over most of these stations. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
4: For more information on the CBS talent raids and what NBC did after, tune into Breaking Walls episodes 108 through 112.